Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Recording from my living room in beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive Podcast, Episode 9, brought to you by... Brooks Publishing Company. I'm your host, Tim Viegas. Today, I will be speaking with Russ Ewell, the CEO of Digital Scribbler, founder of Hope Technology Group, which started Hope Technology School, a nationally recognized full inclusion school, and founder of eSoccer, an all-volunteer inclusive soccer program. I had the pleasure of visiting with him one evening in November of last year. Russ and I discussed the beginnings of eSoccer, and how, for all intents and purposes, it happened by accident. We also talk about how sports programs can become more inclusive when everyone has the right attitude and gets training on how to be proactive instead of reactive. Russ even makes me blush near the end of the interview, so make sure to listen to the entire podcast. So without further ado, let's get to the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for listening. Joining us today on the Think Inclusive podcast is Russ Ewell, the CEO of Digital Scribbler, which is the creator of the communication app Quick Talk AAC. He's also the founder of Hope Technology Group, which started Hope Technology School, a nationally recognized full inclusion school. And also he's the founder of eSoccer, an all-volunteer inclusive soccer program dedicated to empowering both typical and special needs children of all abilities. Um... Russ, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us. I'm excited to be here. It's a, it's a privilege to be on your podcast, and all the Think Inclusive work that you do inspires me. Well, thanks, Russ. Uh, you are a, uh, a man of many hats, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, did. I, I, I don't know how it happens to me yet. And uh, so... Uh, I just read that description. Um, it, it seems like, uh, did you set out to 
to start something like this or how did how did this happen exactly? Well, you know, I I know I didn't I didn't set out to start any of these things and uh you know, my wife probably deserves the bulk of the credit. Um she's the executive director of Hope Technology School. She's the real person who put it together. Hope Technology Group, which I work with, just pretty much, you know, raised the money and um and, and continues to support the work uh, financially and in uh, in regard to technology. But basically, as a parent of of, uh, of special needs kids, of two who have special needs, um, I was looking for a way with my sons, my two boys. Uh, we have one typical child, but I was looking for a way to do something, a father-son kind of experience with them. This was in the uh, mid-90s, mid to late 90s. And um, I, I, I joined a, a, some special needs uh, sports, and they were um, enjoyable, and, and, and my son and I liked them. But having grown up in a, a, as an athlete and experiencing all the levels of athletics, uh, I didn't realize until I became a parent that a big part of it is it's a family experience to do athletics, and it's a community experience to do athletics. So what I realized in the special needs sports I was involved in, we were off to a different side of the field or the court while everyone else was in a, in another place with the typical children. Um, and I, that was very different, obviously, than how I grew up. And I wanted my kids to experience what I experienced, which is a complete, total community, which what, what we now, you and I both call inclusion, for me, was just life. And uh, because I was a typical, the developing uh, kid. And, uh, and so I came home one day, it's, it, 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 I remember it well, and I, I, I told my wife, I said, I just don't know how much longer I can do this because, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking and I'm going, I want my son to, to, be, to be with his friends who are in the typical program. So his friends would be with him all week long and then they would leave him at times sports. And uh, I was like, I got to do something. But I didn't, you know, what, what was I going to do? There was, there was either belonged to a special needs sport uh, team, or you tried to be in a regular program, but there's no way, you know, he could sustain at the speed they were moving and all that. And so, um, long story made short, and I can come back to this, but I, I reached out to my friends who were all from neurotypical families and with neurotypical kids in development. And I happened to, I didn't really realize it, but I happened to have about six friends who were all high level soccer players, soccer players. And I have been reading and studying because I do that a lot. That's how I try to figure out what to do next. Because today, as you all know, there's a lot of information for parents with special needs kids. But in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, even before we came along in this experience, there wasn't as much. So you had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so I read that East, that soccer was more popular worldwide in many reasons they gave because I thought soccer was totally boring. You know, you only scored like one to zero. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I played basketball. And so I read it and it said that one of the reasons is one, it's, it's not expensive. Two, hand, uh, foot to, uh, eye coordination comes faster than hand eye coordination. And I thought about my own kids and how they were. And I thought, you know, I think this could be true. And so we launched into what eventually became new soccer. Now, to answer your question, that's too long winded there, but. What happened is I just got my friends together and said, you know, I really want my kids to experience this. I knew everybody else was busy, but I had some friends. I had friends with kids, friends without kids. 
and ended up across the street from my house at a middle school, getting about 15 of us out there with about, you know, you know, as far as more like 20 of us out there with about six to eight kids. And we just started doing little drills with soccer. And my big vision was uh, anybody who volunteers that's a teenager or middle schooler will help them to become really good at soccer so they can play at the high school level of the eye. We want to help the physical kids, I mean, especially needs kids, to develop fine motor, gross motor, whatever we can to help them in their development and give them friendships. And then the parents, you get to hang out on the sidelines, like a lot of parents do, and get to know other people and enjoy what really is a community experience. So I did that, and it started going. And I was happy. My kids were happy, and we had a nice small group. I think it topped out at 25, and everybody could be there on a Saturday. And then uh, one uh, um, um, mother came by, and she was like, hey, can I be a part of this program? And I was like, well, it's not really a program. You know, we don't really have people joining, and let me think about it. And I went home and told my wife, I go, I don't really want to add people. We got it now. I'm not trying to start anything. And she said to me, are you really going to leave this, you know, poor mom all by herself with a kid, no help? And I felt so terrible that I said, okay, I'll let her in. That led to hundreds of more people joining over time. So everything I've done, the e-soccer, the software development, uh, all these things have not been on purpose. They've been, on, uh, they've been by, by necessity, by chance, and then I thought it was helping people. So that's sort of the answer to that. Sorry, it's been so long there. No, no. The, that's, that's really interesting because, um, <clears throat> like you said, um, you know, part of what inclusion is is that community Right. Um, and, um, it really is, it really is, uh, best when it's kind of this organic thing that just happens. Um, because you're not trying to, you're not trying to force or, you know, um, recreate this, uh, situation where, you know, typical kids and, and, you know, kids with special needs are, you know, put together and just, it's supposed to magically happen. It, it, it's, it was much more organic out of, like you said, necessity. So, um, I think, I think in that sense, um, you know, it was easy to see that as being an authentic, inclusive experience and really not even like really trying to do inclusion. You just wanted your kids to experience what everyone else was experiencing, you know? So, um, um, now how, um, where did it go from there as far as the e-soccer goes? And the E in soccer stands for everyone. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's not, people have added their own things, but it's standing for, it stands for and stood for the time exceptional. Uh, Okay. And, 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 and for us, it was, you know, that was a phrase, not a word at the time that was used a lot for kids programs. And, and now that he, it tends to stand for what the person who's attending thinks it stands for, but we started to stand for super exceptional. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and that, that was because what we were trying to say is this program is different than all the other programs. Um, we can take anybody and we can help anybody have the experience of what we call inclusion today. And right. what happened is we started at a park. Uh, I mean, we started at the middle school across from my house. So many people started joining. And we had to move to uh, a park that was fairly big. So many people kept coming. that so we ended up moving to the largest park in a city called Foster City, California, where I lived. 
while we lived, while we were working there, we ended up maxing out, I think, at about 100 uh, to 125 kids. And these kids were coming from all areas of the Bay. Some people were driving an hour to an hour and a half to get there on a Saturday because they said there was nothing like it. One of the unique things that happened to me at that uh, time when we were at about a 125 was that um, a couple came walking uh, by and stopped. And they kind of were inquiring about who was in charge, which nobody really was in charge, but I was sort of the one who got things rolling. We had many coaches, you know, it was a, uh, a team effort. Uh, but the, they were sent to me and they said, hey, we just wanted to say we really love your program. I said, oh, you do? And I said, you have kids? Here's what well, no, we don't have any kids at all. I said, oh, you, you, how did you find out with the program? They said, well, we were driving by it. We were looking for houses, and we kept driving through the various communities, and we kept coming here, and every time we came here on the weekend, we would see you out there, and we thought, this is the kind of community we want to be in. We want to be in a community that has kids together, especially civil kids. So we ended up buying a house right there across the street because we loved your program so much. And uh, the city of Foster City was great. They didn't even charge us for the field. We became sort of, and we're still there to this day, we sort of became a, a, a part of the community. And then so many were coming from other parts of the day that we were forced to start other ones just because we felt terrible. We were driving an hour and a half. Right. So now it's probably closer to about four to 500 kids every Saturday come to these various programs. Um, we've had college students in a newspaper at Senate State wrote about the program because the kids who began with me in 1996, seven. Those kids are now all college age or nearing graduation or just graduated. Uh-huh. And so they have, they launched clubs on the campuses they went to, different ones went to Cal, Senate State. And a lot of the students in these places started versions of ski soccer there. So it, it really has been stunning. And, and along the way, I think one way that the state of California sort of uh, and, and I guess nationally, they sort of paid attention and, and a sense of encouragement to the program and hoping it would spread is I was fortunate enough to get the Jefferson Award, which is started by Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis uh, and, and several of sort of the, 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 the Kennedy group um, in, in, a, in awarding for community service and work done to effect uh, positive change in the community. And then a couple with that, uh, Congressman uh, uh, Lantos um, in California, the late congressman, he, uh, and I, didn't, I thought it was a joke when I first got the call, but they, his office tracked me down. I was like, we want you to come on in. We want to give you a congressional citation. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know what that was all about. And the guy who called me was at my office. I was on the road. He said, hey, uh, Congressman Lantos wants you to come to his office. They decided to give you a congressional citation. And I thought he was playing a joke on me. And I go, I don't believe this. I mean, you're not going to get me. And it turned out to be true. So I went down there and I asked, I asked Congressman Lantos, I, I, I asked his chief of staff, I go, why, are you, why did you even pay attention to me? I mean, what, I mean I'm just that little, you know, a program here that he said, because these are the kind of things that make our community better and what we want it to be. And it only comes from people doing things in the community. And I thought that was very telling. And it's a lot like what I've seen you do um, in your work, which is is the same thing. The government can only do so much. And money, honestly, can only do so much. People can do a lot. And uh, and so it, it's been thrilling. It's gone to now. There's different ones in Africa. Uh, the, the one in Las Vegas, 
the first time they held theirs, they had 400 people come the first day. Wow. So um, that one was outstanding. And we have a number of other cities that are beginning to launch them and wanting to launch them. And the good news is they're all different kinds. Um, you know, uh, the television um, uh, opportunities we had to be on TV spread around in the web has helped a lot of parents and families decide to launch their own versions. And so that's been very, very rewarding. And I've learned a lot. And uh, the biggest thing I've learned is there's something incredible about parents of typical children that sometimes parents of special needs children just don't, don't always know. And that is that we, we have so many parents of typical children who say we want to be a part of it because we want our kids to grow up in an environment and a world that's diverse and where they need to give back and not just always think about taking. And I've had kids of executives that are very high ranking in Silicon Valley. Their parents bring them. They say, I've got one reason I'm bringing my kid is I don't want them to only know this world that we're in. I want them to know a world of serving and giving. And so it's been very encouraging and rewarding to see all the ways that it spread and changed lives. That's fabulous. Um, uh, I want to know about um, if there's any sort of uh, restrictions on who can participate. I know that that would be kind of interesting with an inclusive soccer program. Uh, But, uh, you know, if there's kids who want to participate that, hey, you know, have some, you know, real significant challenges, whether they are, you know, either physical, um, whether they're, you know, in wheelchairs or, you know, um, or if they have some significant behavioral challenges, is that something that you work with or is that is that planned um, out? How does how does that work? That's a really great question. Um I'll answer it. I'll answer it and try to give you a, a little sort of background in how we how we get volunteers, how we train them. But uh, you know, in, in the all these years, um, and it's a little bit out of my control what happens everywhere, so I can't speak for every single program that's called e soccer. But the ones we do here in the Bay Area, um, we've never had anybody that can turn away, and um, we probably get. You know, fewer people who have a physical disability that is um, significant. Um, uh, we don't get a, a lot of kids like that, uh, but we do get some. And our our attitude is this: I started off with the program they trained. I wouldn't. I was a lot more rigid than the guys are today, and probably that's good. But I wouldn't let anybody get on the field to work with a kid until they trained for five weeks. And so you had to be on the sidelines, watch, and learn for five weeks. And then I had physical therapists, occupational therapists, and special education teachers who were part of helping me train our coaches. Our coaches all get trained still, but they do it over a weekend now um, and instead of over a five-week period, which is in. But in that time, we sort of show them how do you work with kids who have behavioral challenges. So when a parent, many times when parents have behavioral challenges, kids come they assume they're going to be rejected, but they're going to try. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. We we, we, we have usually, um, out of every, let's say, 10 coaches, there's three to four who are who are experienced and have worked with kids who have different challenges. The thing we try to ask the parent to do 
is let us work with the kid onto the field and let the parents step back a little bit. Some parents are insecure, uncertain about that, but, but our group's gotten to be pretty good. It's one of the most important things, I think, when kids come who may have something in their limits that make it appear as though they'll be difficult to work with. A lot of times, their difficulty to be worked with has to do with the attitude of people receiving them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we teach all of our coaches, that if you, if you address or approach a, a kid who has behavioral challenges, assuming he's going to do something wrong, jumping the moment he does something that seems wrong, then you're going to you're going to automatically set him off. So we spend a lot of playing sensory issues to our our, our folks. Um, a lot of times, uh, getting them to take responsibility. Like I I do this with my kids or other people's kids. If a kid has trouble, I try to first question myself. Did I approach too quickly? Did I not you know did I not know the kid well enough? Have I not gotten enough advice from the parent? And then we'll do things where like we've had things where the kid comes. And for the first three weeks he comes, he sits on the sideline with his parents and the worker. Then the fourth week, he walks out on the field five or six steps. Then the fifth week, he walks out on the field 12 steps and kicks a ball. And sometimes it'll take us about three months, and the miracle is that you'll come on that third month and he's out there playing with other kids. Um, so that's kind of how we handle those challenges. Um. That's uh, wonderful how you are able to, um, I guess, convey that to the people that you work with and that take the time to do that. Um, That, you know, not only in, you know, quote unquote, special programs or, you know, uh, programs where where students with disabilities, children with disabilities are um, involved, but in schools, uh, you know, I wish people would take the time to talk with teachers or paraprofessionals about how to deal with challenging behavior because, um, you know, I hear stories and I read stories and I see things with my own eyes that if only we had that background knowledge, uh, you know, we, you know, uh, we would be able to handle those situations a little bit better. Um, and I'd, I'd like to kind of transition us from talking about e-soccer um, to Hope Technology School, which um, you had a hand in, in in founding or creating as well. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it was a, a team effort. And, uh, and my wife, um, you know, Silicon Valley was booming in the 90s. And we happen to be living here. You know, a number of our friends from all of the different walks of life, um, many of them were having great success. And um, to, I went to a graduation of a private school in Los Angeles where a friend of mine was uh, his daughter was graduating. And it's a very it's a very uh, exclusive school, meaning extremely uh, well known. And so I was invited, and I, and, and I was close to the family, so I said, hey, you know, I should go, and I went. And uh, we sat with the family and friends, and the speaker got up in this beautiful campus, you know, it's a, a, a high school, a school, this beautiful campus, it's sunny day. Um, I think uh, Leonard Nimoy was there. 
uh, a number of actors and actresses, Disney executives are walking around, you know, I'm looking, I'm going, hey, I know that guy from a magazine, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those situations where you wonder, how did I get up here? But, you know, um, so I'm sitting there, and then the commencement speaker gets up on stage, and he uh, begins to talk about the school. And he says, you know, when I went to the school, we didn't have all these beautiful buildings. It was a set of trailers up there on the hill, and everything else was mud. Everything, everything else was mud, and uh, and and it was, uh, uh, you know, being developed and being built. Um, and he said, and that's where this school began, and that's where I learned. And he's speaking to all these kids, of course, didn't go through that period. I turned to one of my friends and I said, you can start a school. I mean, if that's all it takes, it's five or six trainers, you can start a school. It never occurred to me before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, I came home and I was talking with my friends and I, I, I go, you know, it, it's amazing how you can actually start a school if you wanted to. It can be done. And I started talking. My wife was like, you know, oh, yeah, we had to do that. And of course, the first question you ask is, you know, how do you, you know, how do you pay for anything? And it's intimidating because, you know, I grew up in public education and my kids were in public school. And I was like, how in the world do you do that? Because you see all the infrastructure and you think it's impossible. Mm. Um, but when we talked, uh, and my mother was a teacher, by the way, and she was one of my first calls. And I said, hey, mom, you know, can you start a school? And she said, oh, yeah, you can start a school. It's not that hard. I said, I sound hard to me. I know I couldn't teach. I couldn't teach ABCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and she goes, no, you can do it. And so the, it became pretty clear that the friends we had, they were all like, hey, let's do it. We'll all pitch in, and we'll be able to raise the money. It's, it's, it's doable. We know people. You know people. Let's just talk about it. And we were able to put the money together. And once we did that, my wife, she uh, took the reins and, and, and developed, uh, recruited the teachers. And she started off with one class uh, that was experimental over the summer to see how it would go. Took, I think, an even number of typical and special needs kids. Hmm. And there was, a, there was an, element, uh, yeah, an elementary school uh, in the Bay that uh, their student population dropped so much um, a third of the building was empty. And somebody we knew found out about that. Contracted with them. She recruited, it, so I think, two or three classes. Started with three classes, I think, after that summer. And from there, it grew to, I think it's K through eight now. And, I mean, she's got a set of fair educators. I, I mean, I, I don't have anything to do with the running of the school. Um, but she's got a set of fair educators and teachers um, that uh, they got their accreditation, their um, California accreditation uh, recently finished it, and uh, they they marveled at what had taken place at Hope Technology School because they said they the quote was your paraeducators are rock stars because they've got a, they've got a, more than a few paraeducators that have master's degrees and um, they were just stunned and so yeah it it's inclusive it's uh, I, I forget the percentage. I think it may be um, uh, 60, 40, uh, 60% typical, 40% special needs. It's, uh, it's got, you know, speech therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists on campus that work there, um, great administration, great parent group. Uh, and uh, it, it's inspired me, uh, not really about private education, but kind of what you've been you've been talking about today and what you've talked about and written a lot about what's possible 
when, when, when teachers and parents get on the same page and work together and the parents respect what the teachers know, learn from them, and the parents and the teachers call from the parents what they know, it's, it's been extraordinary to watch it. I think it's a vision of where education will go in the future in public education. Yeah, I agree. The, the the potential that is there when teachers and parents are on the same page, and that there's and, and uh, there's trust that is built. I think that is a big key to what um, is missing in, in um, you know when we have um, when we have IEPs that are you know five or six hours long, and you know and advocates and lawyers and all this stuff, um, you know, I've written about that before, you know, that it's, it's, uh, it's a trust issue, I think. Um, because if we did trust each other and if we did have open communication and we did, we were on the same page, then we could go a lot farther. Um, which sounds to me like what you're trying to do with Hope Technology School, you know, and, and also, uh, is starting so small, you know, um, I think with public education, it's so hard because it's, it's such a big system, you know, not just, not just district wide or not even just school wide, you get your district and then you have the state and then you have the federal components and, um, no one seems to be talking to each other. (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the public education system takes a, a, a beating sometimes from different places. Right. Having grown up in a family with a mother who worked in public school, um, when my dad wasn't an educator, but my, my mom was, I was I was taught before I got to school. Mm-hmm. And um, my view of educators and teachers is pretty, um, I have a high degree of respect because I watched my mom, you know, work all day, come home, and uh, take care of us, and then go back and work all day. And I went to a, a, a suburban school that was a part of the community. That was, you know, it was great. And she did, she wouldn't she wouldn't teach in my school system because she felt she wanted to help African American kids in the inner city who really needed the help, and that people out where I was in school didn't really need the help. And what I what I learned then, and believe now, is you know when you when you when you get the teacher empowered in the classroom, be able to do the kind of work I know a lot of teachers can do, 
and they have the support of the administration. In this case, at Oakland High School, I've seen this, they supported the administration and, and behind their ideas, and, and then they also have the support of the parents and everybody gets input. It, it's shown because they, there are some, there's some teachers at the school who, you know, they were in the public school system for a little while, but it, it shows me why. Uh, I saw a study recently where it said that a, a number of teachers in private education aren't actually making as much money as teachers in public education. And I think one of the reasons for that is, you know, if you get a little, a little bit less money but a lot more freedom and, and your life is, is easier and smoother and you get to see the success of your students, um, that's attractive, I think, to teachers. But I, I, I look forward to what happens in the, in the classroom. But, yeah, when you're talking about three levels, what I, I, I equate it to Apple Computer where, you know, that's right here, right, I, you know, live in the shadow of it. Um, one of the things they talked about there is that when you walked in, if you had to make a decision to make something great happen, it used to be at a company that had five studies and, and, and all kinds of red tape, but Steve Jobs would walk in and go, let's do it and let's start now. And in smaller environments, in, in, in certain private school environments, if you can just move so much more quickly because the, the students, the, the teachers have the ability to say, hey, I want to do this in my class, um, and, then, and then it's done. They came to me, one of the teachers came to me and said, hey, you guys are doing digital scribbler. Can we get the software in here and we need iPads? And we talked to people at Apple and people volunteered to donate some iPads. And I think within, you know, like, Seven days they had the iPad. This is a while back. Seven days they had the iPad, the software, they're up and running. Just things like that where they can happen. I'm looking forward to that one day in education system where a teacher can, can make the call of what he needs to do for students, and he doesn't have to go through seven or eight different layers and fill out different forms. I know I'm probably idealistic and dreaming, but you know <laughs> it's my hope. <laughs> well, you know we can all be we, we can all be that way, I suppose. You know I. <laughs> I definitely have my lofty dreams about about education and you know in particular about public education you know um I, there there is a there is a place for public education it's unfortunate that we have to work so hard at you know getting the things that we want um and it it does take a, a long time it, you know just to, you know we're talking about technology you know, this is just a little example, uh, but I have a particular software that I use. Um, I'm not going to, you know, promote it or anything, but, um, you know, I didn't have the updates for the software. It's not like I can just go and download the updates. You know, I have to have right. someone else do that for me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, and also uh, everything is blocked, you know, we don't have just free internet, uh, free reign on the internet. Everything is blocked and filtered. So things and websites that would be of good use that, that I can use, I cannot use or informational websites, you know, I can send to my colleagues, you know, they can't see that or read that at school. They have to do it at home. So that gets a little frustrating. Um, so, uh, you know, we just have to do the best with what we have, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And, and it's complicated, obviously. So I, 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 I think, you know, the truth is everybody faces some challenge, but that's part of the reason we wanted to start the different programs we started. It's not as much as a, like I was happy in the public school system for myself. My wife went to public school for my kids while they were there. But at some point you want to innovate. And sometimes I think the best way to get things started is have some 
examples, some 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 examples of it, um, because when you have those um, small shining examples, hopefully they'll eventually have an impact, and uh, and that's why I like you know um, I I wanted to just you know take a moment to say that's why I like what you're doing and what um, a lot of teachers who are on the ground making a difference. I, I like what they're doing. Because there's nothing like, for someone like me who develops software, I depend on the great teachers in, 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 in both the typical classrooms and the special education classrooms, the inclusive classrooms, to tell me what they need. I wish I had more time to make more of what I hear is needed. But I think probably, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to be on your podcast is because of all the, the work I see you do. And it, I, I get inspired when I look at it because I think, you know, if we can get in the hands of teachers like yourself and others, the tools they need and give them the freedom. I think a lot of things get taken care of in the education system. I think the hard part, as you said, is when as long as it's big, it's hard for that to happen. But uh, you may you may sometimes be plowing away as you write articles and, and mobilize people like me and parents to contribute and collaborate. You may wonder if it's making a difference. And I talk about you at least you know, every two or three weeks here with somebody about either something I've read on your site or uh, you've ended up interacting with someone I know. And uh, and I also, with regard to how hard I think you work, because I watch it, and I go, you know, it reminds me of my mom. My mom didn't just work at school. She was she was she was spending my my toy money in her classroom, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I and I knew it. You know, I was like my mom. I, my mom, she, she insisted that, and she says to me today, my classroom is going to be the best classroom as far as design and, 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 and inspiration and, and, and energy and things the kids like if I have to pay for it myself. And, and sometimes we didn't get what we wanted because she said, hey, I had to get, I had to get closer to my classroom. You'll have to wait. And, uh, and, and that's how I learned about public school teachers. So I just wanted to say while I'm on here that thank you for what you do. And for all you write and the way you mobilize, uh, some days when I'm doing all the different things I'm doing, I think, I can't write another word, I can't do another thing, and then I'll see you posting something new or getting some new writer, and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm going to get off my stuff and do something. And I, that's how I think change happens. I don't I don't think anybody's going to walk, I lived in D.C. four and a half years and worked there. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to walk into the door of the White House and change things uh, overnight. It's going to be people on the ground who are who are in the classrooms, and there are a few people I admire more than teachers, um, and that are in the classroom interacting. Um, I've encouraged a lot of people I've known to become teachers because I, I tell them, look, um, I remember I can name you my teachers, Mrs. Sherman in, in, in fourth grade, you know, Mr. Wood in fifth grade. I can name the profound teachers, Mrs. Young in ninth grade, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I, there's nothing as rewarding as that. Whenever I go back to hometown, if I ever run into any of them, you know, it means I'm always impacted by how much it means to them that, I, that I've done something useful with my life. So I wanted to say that, that your Think Inclusive work is, 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 is the reason that I wanted to get on here and talk, because I admire what you've done and all the uh, effort you make, the creativity, um, it's, it's outstanding. And I'm not sure you get to hear that enough, but I've been feeling that a long time and haven't written you an email. So I thought 
your podcast would be a good place for me to just interject and say, my stuff's nice, but I really think what you're doing is, is even more amazing because you're actually in the classroom on the front line. And I'm, you know, developing software is not, it's not nearly as challenging as teaching kids and negotiating <laughs> that environment. So, so uh, thank you for all you do. I want to make sure I said that. Thank you very much, Russ. I, it means a lot coming from you. Uh, you know, definitely have a, I have a mutual respect um, uh, for you as well and uh, the work you do uh, with Digital Scribbler and also with the, the, the Quick Talk AAC, which actually I have I have that on my iPad. Um, uh, we, uh, I, I wish I used it more. It's just not something that um, I'm able to right now. Um, but I have shown it to other people, so um, it's good, you know. And I, like I said. You know, I appreciate those words um, very, very, very much. Um, yeah, sometimes it's hard to know or gauge, you know, w- what kind of impact you're having um, when you're a blogger. So, um, but you know, it, it's it's good. I I'm I have this kind of cognitive dissonance every time I go to work <laughs> because you know <laughs> I, I'm in this. I'm in a self-contained environment, um, and I have been since day you know since my first day being a teacher. Uh, but I've always had this inclusion mindset uh, with my kids, and even when I taught in um, uh, in Pasadena, uh, California, I taught four years in a uh, self-contained um, autism class. Uh, mm. So I would I would you know take my kiddos and we'd go into fourth grade general ed for a math segment or you know we would go and um you know when i first got there they wanted to um have us go into this separate into the preschool playground to play and i'm like no 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 we need to be out with everybody else you know we need to mingle and you know you know we can't we can't be invisible you know and it was a it was a different, it was a, just a different mindset, you know, and I, I tried to really, you know, uh, buck the system as far as that goes. Um, and I, I continued to do it. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get the feeling like you're, you're being annoying. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anytime, anytime I learned, anytime, and this is a historical truth, anytime change has come, it has rarely been comfortable to the status quo. And I think that as the world becomes more globalized, mm. um, we experience this, we live in a very globalized city in the Bay or a set of cities by the Bay. And you have people from all different walks of life, you know, all different languages. You sit in a coffee shop here, you could be anywhere. You could be in Europe, you could be in Latin America, you could be in Africa. It, it just, because it, you're hearing that language. And, it, it reminds me that the world is, is increasingly getting diverse, and those who think that um, people with special needs or um, physical disabilities or any kind of human limit are not going to be part of that inclusion, I think that's a mistake on, on moral grounds and that it just isn't uh, the way to build a, a healthy society. But it's also a mistake on, on sort of creative breakthrough uh, ways. I think if they have meant for, say, um, special needs kids. Um, there's a lot of the technologies that I think are beginning to explode a little bit. 
people would not have the passion drive to build. I've been to um, and talked to developers, I mean, uh, engineers at HP, at Apple, at Google, and I've yet to meet one who didn't become more impassioned about what they were building um, because they found out a child without language, uh, a child uh, who was more isolated, was able to make contact uh, with people emotionally, uh, was able to be included uh, with people socially because of their technology. I, I the HP TouchSmart, I sat in the room with all the engineers who developed and built it, designed it, and they were stunned when they found out what we were doing with, with both typical and special educational classroom using it. So I say all that to say that when you're on that playground and when you're doing those things for those kids, we need teachers to do it uh, because we're not going to have fewer people that have unique needs or disabilities. We're going to have more. And I know every time I go to the hospital for a checkup or, or whatever, and I'm, I'm walking through the clinic, there's typically in a hospital or a clinic, there are sick people who are pretty sick. And you realize that at some point, everyone is going to need to be included. And if we develop a society that's only for the, for the completely sick, we have no weaknesses, then eventually everyone is going to be outside of it. So I think when, you're, when I see you out there, you know, pushing to make sure your kids are accepted, I think it's pushing society to say, you know, we can't just say it's only for people who can survive because they're in the fittest. It's got to be for everybody, and there's something we all gain from it. And that's one of the reasons I stay driven is I just think it's not going to work. I was that kind of kid growing up, to be honest. I, I, I had my academics, my sports, my grades, my scores on tests, you know, what schools I wanted to go to. and I had all that, and I kind of ignored everybody. got to college, and I realized when I was in college that I went from a small town to the city of Boston. I realized, wow, the world is bigger than my small bubble. And that was a process of change. By the time I had kids with special needs, I had already pretty much bought into, you don't just build your exclusive little world. But once I had kids with special needs, I said, look, this whole issue of if you have talent, you're great. If you don't, we're not, that's out the window. If I got to erase my whole, my whole frame and start all over. And I'm glad I did. So, when I hear what you're talking about, I go, just keep, you know, keep at it. Every teacher and parent keeps at it. Because society is being influenced every day. Yeah. Well, thank you. I I, I definitely think that, um, you know, uh, speaking from, speaking with different people so far on the podcast and, and other, you know, just conversations, um, I think that the changing kind of your heart and mind about what inclusion is, is really going to be the thing that's going to change people. Um, because although research is really great and, and research can be, um, useful, especially in the school system, because they make everything, they pretty much make all decisions based on research, (laughs) you know? Um, but the teachers that are in the classroom that are working with the kids, if, uh, if there's a way, if there's a video I can show them, or if there's an, you know, an article by a self-advocate I can show them, or if there's an example I can give them about how you can include a student with significant disabilities, um, in, in a typical classroom. Um, I think those are where the, 
those are where the really big aha moments come. And then I, you know, it, it, it was the same thing that happened with me when I went into my teacher training. Um, I thought there's no way I could, you know, include a student with severe autism in a general education room. There's no way. Why, why would that ever work? You know, and it, it wasn't until my professors and my, you know, um, uh, educators that, that were telling me actually it can, and this is how you can do it. And, you know, these are the steps. And then once I saw it, I was like, Oh, well, that's not at all what I thought it was going to be. Or, you know, or I totally understand that, you know? And, um, in fact, I remember when I first, when I first got into my, um, uh, my education program and, uh, I was picking like my classes and I had, um, you know, my, um, advisor, uh, she had, had mentioned, um, inclusion, you know, especially for students with significant disabilities. And I was completely against it. I said, no, 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 that, you know, they need, they need specialized instruction. They need to be in a safe environment. And I, I was saying all the things that I hear, <laughs> you know, when right, I, right you know, when I bring up the, the conversation and, uh, she's like, actually, no, you should, you know, check this out, read this, you know, look at this and, and slowly, but surely my eyes were open. And, um, and now I, there's no way I can go back to where, where I was because I've, I've seen with my own eyes that it can work. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that there isn't challenges or that, you know, there's certain environments that aren't ready you know, for our kids, you know, and that's, that's real. That's a real discussion. But, you know, to, to say that it doesn't work or to say that, um, you know, it'll never happen or whatever, that's just, you know, because we haven't seen it yet. So, well, um, this has been a really great discussion. Um, I wanted to kind of wrap things up and, uh, give you a chance to, um, maybe plug some of your stuff. <laughs> um, like I know e-soccer is, uh, moving to, uh, um, other kinds of sports. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, or if you wanted to talk about quick talk AAC, you know, um, I'm well, happy I, to plug I, that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I, if people want to check it out, they can search for e-athletics or, or, or they can go to my digital scribbler, uh, com to check any of it out. But I actually came on just to be able to have a great talk with you. I've enjoyed the podcast and I, 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 I want to, I don't need to, 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 you know, advocate for those things. I'm, I'm excited to encourage people to listen to your work and read your work and follow you more often. So that's why I wanted to be on. Well, thanks a lot, Russ. I appreciate it. Um, if uh, if anyone is interested, they can check out digitalscribbler.com, I believe. And then you also tweet at, um, at Digital Scribbler, or is it uh, underscore Digital Scribbler? I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, um, and then you also can uh, Google eSoccer. There's a lot of uh, really great information about that. Uh, so thanks again, Russ, for being on the program. Thank you very much, Tim. It's been great. That concludes this edition of the Think Inclusive podcast. For more information about Russ Yule and eSoccer, you can visit his website, digitalscribbler.com, or on Twitter at D 
underscore scribbler. Remember, you can always find us on Twitter at think underscore inclusive or on the web at thinkinclusive.us. Visit our sponsor at brookspublishing.com and receive 25% off your order using promo code TIMBD25. Today's show was produced by myself talking into USB headphones, a MacBook Pro, GarageBand, and a Skype account. Bumper music by Jose Galvez with the song Press. You can find it on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via the iTunes Music Store or Podomatic.com, the largest community of independent podcasters on the planet. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.